This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus joins with us in the Fox Valley and all those watching online. And at home, and let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this Morning. Uh, remind you of how we do our offerings. Uh, we don't pass the buckets anymore. But uh, if you would like to give, and we certainly hope that you will, uh, you can use the envelopes in the back there to put in cash or check and put it in the buckets on the way out. Many people have signed up for recurrent giving. This happens automatically. Very helpful to us. Uh, or they use the phone app on your phone, and uh, you can give that way as well. Now, uh, we are now, this is the first s Sunday in Advent. This is the beginning of the Christian calendar. This is the be Happy New Year. Uh, this is the beginning of the Christian calendar. And um, we are starting our legacy campaign throughout the month of, uh, or the season of Advent, pretty much the month of December. And uh, we have special envelopes in the back of your chairs that you can use toward uh, your legacy offering. We've been challenging people to do something special above and beyond. In other words, if you normally give X to the church, continue to give X and then above and beyond. Don't just take X, cut it in half and put half in legacy. That doesn't help us. Okay. So uh, something above and beyond during this Advent season and you can use that. Uh, as you know, as we've come through this pandemic, our, our normal rhythm has been challenged and, and stuff like that. A lot of the regular things that we we're doing uh, we haven't been doing. One of our regulars has been uh, hearing from our special friend, the Reverend Jimmy Bratcher, coming back to normality today. He's with us this morning. Would you please welcome Jimmy Bratcher? Good morning. Sherry and I are thrilled to be here with you all this morning. All y'all. How many of you have never heard me before? Can, can you show me? Oh, man, fresh meat. <laughs> but it's been a while since we've been here, and uh, 
I just want to take a few minutes to give you a little bit of an update on what's been going on with us. In fall of 2019, Sherry was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so she called it her little inconvenience. And uh, so we're glad to report that she's 100% cancer-free. And uh, we're just so grateful to God for that. We took the opportunity during the pandemic to do something radical. Sherry and I were both needing some replacement parts. So we thought, shoot, we can't travel, so we might as well get some new parts. And so I got two brand new knees, and I'm no longer bow-legged. And Sherry got a new hip. So Sherry's hip, she'll be hip for the rest of her life. But 2020, with all of its challenges, was actually our most productive year of ministry. And it's hard to believe because we couldn't leave the house. But uh, we took the opportunity to start using our resources, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute, and send them to prisons all over America. So we sent several thousand books into 100 prisons throughout America. And uh, we're, you know, we're just getting ready to do something, and the church has been so generous to help us with this. Uh, we have the opportunity, and we normally, during the month of December, we do a, a prison outreach in the state of Kansas. We live in Missouri, but... We work in Kansas because Kansas prisons are the most open to the gospel. And, uh, but unfortunately, because there's a shortage of guards, the, the largest prison is the Supermax in El Dorado, Kansas, is on 24-7 lockdown. And so if you can imagine, these men went from uh, March of 2020 until June of 2021 without even having a family visit. And so the warden contacted me and he said, you know, I would really like to be able to give all 1,350 men a gift for Christmas. And we need to raise $13,775. And so on their own, the prison actually and inmates giving to this uh, raised $6,000. And so I agreed to help them to raise the other $7,775. And Mark told me on the way to church that you all are covering over half of that amount so that they can give each prisoner some body wash, some deodorant, some underwear, and a beef summer sausage. Has to be beef because we don't want to offend anybody, you know. (laughs) But, uh, and then in addition to that, we are going to also give one of our books Uh, We're going to give 1,350 books to give to each one of those inmates. And I don't know about you, but um, I think that that's super important because, like it or not, uh, over 75% of those that are incarcerated are going to be returned into our communities. And we actually, it's 95% of those are going to be returned into our communities. And we know that the the statistic for... um, Rehabilitation is about 25%. So 25% of those men are, or 75% of those men are going to reoffend in our communities. And the only hope that they really have is to be transformed by the power of God. And I just want you all to know that you are a part of that transformation, even though it might not happen in this community, but you're sowing a seed to be able to reach those men. So, that over, I just want to mention a few things that we brought with us today because they help us to be able to afford to give away what we have to give away. Of course, Sherry and I 
I think I've had this here before, but we, we had this idea to write a cookbook. So we wrote this cookbook called I'm Hungry. It's 196 pages of super fabulous recipes from Southern, Southwestern, keto, paleo, all kinds of Sherry's world famous fried chicken, which the doctor told me I can't eat is in there. So, and then I also had the idea, I said, you know what, I'm just going to record a whole CD of songs about food. So I started writing songs about chicken and biscuits and gravy and grits and all these things. And so we released this last April and it came onto the international, the top 50 international blues char- albums charts in April. It's been seven weeks in the top 10, made it all the way to number three, and it's still on the charts today. So we're just super proud of that. Also, during the pandemic, I took the opportunity to write a workbook, to a companion book with my Don't Take Your Dreams to the Grave book. And it also includes a 24-episode video series. And then finally, I'll mention this, then I'll get to my message Uh, My daughter, Jessica, and I, Jessica and I were here several years ago telling our story. Uh, We didn't, I didn't get to meet Jessica until she was 38 years old. And so her and I took the opportunity to write a book called The Little Girl Wins about our story. And even though you might've heard the story, you really don't get the impact of the details that God went to, to make sure that we as a family would connect. So we have those resources out there if you would like to have some of them. Would you all stand with me? I want to read a passage of scripture. Our little sister that lit the candle, didn't she do a fantastic job? And the music, I mean, it's like, man, the music here is just so incredible. So, and the worship team, but I wanted to read Isaiah 9, 2 and 6 and 7 as a way of us just getting our hearts and our minds prepared for this first Sunday of Advent. It says this, verse 2, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. The reading of the word. Thank you all. You can be seated. When I read this passage of scripture, something very current and relevant just jumps out at me. Jesus has a government. And his government is based and founded on peace. And all I can say to that is, come Lord Jesus, come. His government is based on peace. And it tells us here in in this first Sunday of Advent, as we've already been taught, is about hope. And you see, God is the God who always comes for us. We have this beautiful picture in the book of Genesis in chapter three, verse six, how that God would come in the cool of the day and talk to the man and the woman. And I like to picture God coming and him coming up on the porch, you know, and just sitting down 
in a rocking chair with a glass of sweet tea. Y'all know about sweet tea? You get that down south. You know, they have the Mason-Dixon line they talk about. Well, there is a sweet tea line someplace where it's like you get sweet tea. It's not the same as just like putting sugar in it, you know. But I like to picture that picture of God. He's coming. He's not angry. He's not upset. He's at peace. And he comes to interface and to talk with the man. But then we see this picture of him coming again as Jesus appears. And Jesus blew some people's minds. They said of Jesus, they said, you know, we've never seen anything like this before. We've never heard anything like this before. And the reason why that was that way is because Jesus treated people differently than any of the other religious leaders did. He was there with the people. And then we have the, the promise that Jesus is coming again. And I don't know about you, but that makes me so encouraged to know that he's coming. And when he comes, he is coming and he will bring with him hope. He'll bring with him hope. I was studying, preparing for this message and I discovered an unusual definition of the word hope in the original language. And it simply means a rope. Hope is a rope. And Jesus comes to throw us this rope. And our job is very simple. We gotta hang, we gotta grab a hold of that rope and hang on. He comes and he does that. He steps into our chaos and he brings us hope. And he presents to us the opportunity to drag, to grab onto this rope. He steps into our chaos and he offers us hope. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this anchor for the soul, firm and secure. He throws out this, this rope to us, but it's connected to an anchor. And that anchor is the hope of a new life. It's a hope of stability. It's a hope of all of God's attributes and characters that come with Christ when we receive him to be manifested through our lives and in our homes. And that should be the hallmark. It should be the goal. It should be the vision of every one of us to have a home that is full of hope. Rising above the chaos There is this atmosphere of hope. And we get to choose if we're going to experience God's hope for us or if we're going to merely just discount it and let it pass from us and continue to create and build the chaos that many times is our home. He throws this rope out to us of hope and we get to grab onto it. And we get to then extend that hope to other people. You know, I am at heart, I love people. I like being around people, you know. I, I just do, you know. I'm not like some people I know that don't like being around people, but I like being around people. And I love to extend hope to people. Because, there, you know, everywhere that we look in our world right now, people are screaming out, can, is there any stability? 
Is there anything that's stable that can remove this chaos from what I'm experiencing in life? And Jesus is that anchor. And we get to extend hope to other people. It can be just in an, in an average, everyday setting. It doesn't have to be anything super spiritual. You don't have to know the scripture in order to extend that hope. You simply have to care. And in caring, it eliminates such boundaries in people's hearts. Because when they know you care, it opens up a door. And we can step through that door and we can extend hope to them. And they can grab onto it. But if we're not aware that we have that power and that ability, we'll not take advantage of those moments. And they might seem ever so mundane. But when we do that, you never know what it's going to create. You never know who you're going to grab a hold of who is at the end of their rope. And they're just waiting for somebody to grab a hold of them and rescue them from the chaos that's in the world. I was on a motorcycle trip many years ago, back in 2003, and a friend of mine had called and said, hey, I want to go to the Mississippi Delta and visit all the historic blues sites that are there. Because most of, most of blues music and rock and roll all originated from like three counties in Mississippi, in the Delta. And so I said, man, I'm in, let's go. And so we got to Memphis and and spent the night, and then we started south on Highway 61 down through the Delta, and we came to Clarksdale, Mississippi. And Clarksdale's famous, and people from all over the world come to Clarksdale for one reason. They want to sell their souls to the devil. If you saw the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, there was a scene where Tommy Johnson was standing at the crossroads, and he sold his soul to the devil. Another famous world-renowned musician, Robert Johnson, who's one of the most influential musicians in our time, he also had the story of selling his soul to the devil. And we pulled into Clarksdale on our motorcycles and rolled up to a stoplight, didn't know where we were going. And my friend said, well, I got a book in my saddlebag. Let's pull over here in this bank parking lot and let's you know, see what we're supposed to see, You know, find the sights. And so I look off to my left and here's a monument that marks this spot as the crossroads where people all over the world come to sell their soul to the devil. And you know what they're looking for? They're looking for hope in the wrong places. And so we pulled over into the bank parking lot and got a book out and started looking at it. It wasn't just a minute. Here comes this redneck, gnarly, rebel flag, pickup truck, gun rack, you know, dude. And he pulls up to us and in a gruff voice he goes, are you boys here to look at my town? And I'm like, man, this is a devil like manifesting. He just like showed up, you know? And my friend goes, yeah, what should we see? And, and we started talking back and forth. And my friend says, where can we get some barbecue? He's right there at the crossroads at Abe's. He says, come on, I'll take you over there. His name was Doc. And as we talked, he inquired about our professions. And I said, well, my friend here, he's a pastor of a church, and I said, and I'm an evangelist, but I'm a blues guitar player. And he just lit up. He goes, there's people all over the place here that are into that blues stuff. He goes, do you know Morgan Freeman? 
I said, the actor Morgan Freeman? He goes, yeah, Morgan Freeman. I said, well, I don't know him, but I know who he is. He goes, well, he's got a place downtown. He says, come on, let's go downtown. I'll introduce you to him. And so we go downtown to a place called Ground Zero Blues Club. And Morgan's not there, but we meet his business partner. We meet the manager. And Doc becomes our, the unofficial mayor of Clarksdale. He takes us all over town. He's showing us all kinds of things. And so we left, and I sent him a nice thank you card. This was in May of 2003. In August, I get an email from him. And the email says, send me your phone number. End of message. And, uh, and so I did, and he calls me up and he says, you know what, I've been appointed the chairman of the first ever blues festival to be, to be held at the crossroads. And I want you to be the first band that we book. And so I was so excited. I get to go to where my heroes came from and I get to play music. And so as we prepared in 2004 to go to Clarksdale, I noticed that some of the folks that were playing the festival were also playing at Morgan Freeman's club. And I said, Doc, man, I want to play at Ground Zero. And he said, let me talk to Morgan and see what he says. And he came back and he said, I tell you what, Morgan said, they're not open. The only time we could play was Saturday afternoon. He says, we're not open. But if Jimmy wants to play here, we'll open the doors. And I'm like, I'm thrilled. I've never done anything like this before. You know, I'm church boy. You know, I'm playing in a bar for crying out loud, you know, in Mississippi. And so I'm expecting two o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday and I'm expecting like two people to be there. And we get there and there's 200 bikers there drinking like there's no tomorrow. I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, I'm a little nervous. So we set up and we started playing and people were, you know, enjoying it. And I, I got to this one song and it's a song that I wrote. It's about the a prodigal song. And at the last verse, a real slow blues song, Mark's played it more than once. And at the last verse, everything stops and it's just me all by myself and I'm screaming, Jesus, Jesus, will you take me just as I am? And I, I was coming up on that part and I thought, you know what? I could just kind of whisper this. <laughs> And I thought, well, that's really not my style, so I'm going to give it everything that I have. And I stepped up to the microphone, had my eyes closed because I was scared. <laughs> and I started screaming, Jesus, Jesus, will you take me just as I am? And I started hearing chairs moving. I thought, oh, no, they're going to rush the stage. <laughs> and I was shocked. I'd never experienced anything like this before outside of church. Everyone stood to their feet when they heard the name of Jesus and started to applaud because his name was mentioned in that place. Light came to darkness. The young man that was helping us technically run in sound how about a sound, how about a hand for all the sound guys back there? They do a fabulous job. They do a great job and nobody ever talks to them unless they're complaining. Uh, but the sound man that was helping us that day, his name was Wolf. And 
I'd given him a DVD of a live performance, and our son Jason was there with us in the band. And a few days after we left, he sent me an email, and he said, you know, he said, I watched your DVD, and I heard your story. And he said, but I saw you and how you treated your band. And I saw you with your son and how you treated your son. And he said, I just wanted you to know that you've given my shattered faith hope. A few weeks later, Sherry and I took the eight hour or nine hour drive back to Clarksdale from Kansas City to just talk to this young man. And he told us the story of the abuses that he'd suffered in church. But he was waiting for somebody to step into his world with hope. A rope that he could grab a hold of and could bring him out. You know, I tell people that, have you ever seen that picture called Footprints? You know, where there's two footprints, two track, two footprint tracks in the sand. And then all of a sudden there's just one, you know, and it says, you know, the guy says, well, Lord, what's, why was there just one set of footprints there? And the Lord says, well, that's when I was carrying you. And, and I tell people, it's like my, my picture of footprints doesn't look like this. One of these days I'm going to get an artist to paint me one of these. My, my picture of footprint looks like this. There's the Lord's footprints and then there's two ruts where he's dragging me because I got a hold of the rope. He's like dragging me down through, you know, through life. It's like we're journeying together, but sometimes I'm a bit resistant. But I got a hold of this rope. I'm not letting go of this rope. He gave me hope. He entered my world. He expelled the chaos. He reconciled my marriage. And all I had to do was just hang on and let go. I could let go of the hurts, let go of the pain, let go of the past and hang on to the new beginning that we sang about. Hang on because he's taking me forward. Hang on because there's hope in him. And as we enter this season, you know, it's the holidays, very stressful time for so many people. You know why? Because they know they're going to have to be with their families. And there's always at least one weirdo in every family. It's probably you and you're just in denial. But we're going to be around people that are hurting, that are waiting for somebody to see value in their lives through the chaos, through the mess, through the dysfunction. They're waiting for somebody to show up and say, here's a, here's a way out. Here's hope. There is hope for you because of all that Jesus did for every one of us. So today, I hope that you're encouraged. God has a plan for each one of us. Uniquely created so that we could experience the reality of his love. So that we could welcome the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit to come and dwell with us. I spent a lot of my Christian lives, my Christian lives, I've got more, y'all, yeah, like i got more than one life. I spent a lot of my Christian life 
thinking that God was out here someplace. Someplace. And then I learned that when I believed on Jesus, he came into my life, into my heart. And he's never leaving. He's never walking away from me. He's going to stay right here. And I can experience his hope whenever I need to by simply asking him to help me. So I don't know what you're going through, where you're at, the pain that you're in, but there's hope. And I want you to never, ever forget that. God bless you all. Pastor Mark. Thank you, Jimmy. Good word. That was awesome. I love that. The rope of hope. The hope rope. Anyway, we're going to uh, turn to our time of communion this morning. And uh, and by the way, for those of you who don't know Jimmy, uh, he is actually a blues guitarist player. We're not talking a churchy version of it's like the real thing. When he talks, he's number three on the blues chart worldwide. That's all the blues players in the world. Uh, This boy can rock it out, and it's very, very impressive. And you really ought to check out his new album about food. So is that that like a gospel version of... No, it's just about food. (laughs) And it's hilarious. We were listening to it yesterday. I just laughed. He's got a great song about bologna sandwiches. And uh, it's just, you know, why would you do something? Because you can. You know, just bless people and be nice and celebrate life and laugh a little bit. We're turning our time of communion this morning. This is when we uh, reflect on this hope rope that's been tossed to us. All this is made possible by what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us 2,000 years ago when he died on that cross. The night before he was crucified, he got his disciples together. He had bread and wine. And he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shared for you. This is how we come to know and experience forgiveness of sins and be filled with hope. You say, Pastor, I feel very hopeless. Well, you're at the right place this morning because Jesus can set all this stuff right in your life. The Bible says before we take communion that we should all reflect and examine ourselves. So I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads and uh, let me pray just a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Heavenly Father, Before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, something that we've done, something that we didn't do that we should have done, if we haven't loved you with our whole heart, if we haven't loved others as we love ourselves for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we pray, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. By the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. And as we're reflecting and praying right now, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I've never grabbed a hold of this hope in my life before. I've never really known Jesus the way you guys are talking about. Well, you can do that right now as your heads are bowed and praying. Just in your own words, talk to Jesus. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins. And you can start to experience this wonderful hope that we are celebrating today and during this a season of Advent, and throughout the entire year. Amen.